Amen. Good morning. I know we said that a lot, but it's just a good way to start, right? This morning we're going to be in Mark 16, and I'm so excited about um, celebrating Easter with you guys. Thank you for being here with us this morning. I know for a lot of us it's early, right? We came at 9, and uh, that just means that we either have a lot of stuff to do or we're morning people, which is weird. Uh, I'm not a morning person. If you are one of those people, awesome, bless you. Don't talk to me till I get some coffee. Um, but uh, <laughs> that's right. Um, this morning, I'm so excited to be here, and I, and I woke up excited to be here. Um, I know it's just really, honestly, like any other Sunday, we're celebrating the resurrection together. Um, but man, there's just a little something special about Easter, and um, so so glad that you chose to spend just a few moments with us this morning. But um, when we left off on Friday, which by the way was awesome, if you were there, good Friday. <laughs> Uh, I'll always love Good Friday, I love what we do, and I love more than that what God does. But when we left off on Friday, Jesus was hanging on the cross, um, and uh, he would eventually die on the cross about 3 p.m. that day. And um, they would take his body, and uh, they would go to Pilate, a guy named Joseph of Arimathea would go to a man named Pilate, And he would request that they get the body of Jesus down off the cross and they release that to Joseph so Joseph could bury the body of Jesus. And that's what Joseph did. Pilate, after confirming Jesus was dead, not asleep, not fainted, not just kind of weak from blood loss, but dead. After he confirmed Jesus was dead, he released the body to Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph took the body and he laid the body in his own tomb. Now, that was about all the time they had because about 6 p.m. it was going to be the Sabbath. And after uh, about 6 p.m., you weren't allowed to work. You weren't allowed to do any kind of work. That was God's law on the Sabbath day. You couldn't even take a certain amount of steps or above or it was considered work. And they couldn't give Jesus that day a proper burial. So they put him in the tomb. They kind of hurriedly wrapped him, laid him down in the tomb and rolled a stone, a heavy stone, Mark tells us, in front of the door. The stone was meant to kind of keep the body of Jesus safe until they could come back and properly bury the body of Jesus. They buried people different in this culture than we do. When we have someone pass away, we put them in the ground. In this culture, they actually just wrap them in uh, fabric and anoint the body with spices and then leave it out in a tomb or a kind of cave area, hewn out from some rock, and they put a stone in front of the door, and Mother Nature does what Mother Nature does, right? And then later they would come back, and they would gather the bones, and they would set them in a special place, and that was kind of their procedure for death. And that's where they thought Jesus was headed, so they went and they placed Jesus in the tomb, and they rolled a stone in front of the door, and then they went on their way um, to, to follow God's law and do the Sabbath. Now, while this is going down, while they're um, having the Sabbath day, We see in Matthew that they actually, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they go and they go to Pilate and they say, hey, Pilate, um, the disciples might go and steal the body of Jesus and proclaim that he's resurrected. And that's bad news for us and that's bad news for you. We don't want that to happen. So we have a suggestion. We want you to take uh, and we want you to seal the tomb so that nobody, everybody knows, don't mess with this tomb. And then we want you to put, just in case they're brave enough to break the seal, uh, we want you to go and we want you to place a, a set of guards or soldiers in front of the tomb so that no one can enter the tomb for three days. Because we remember when Jesus was alive, he preached that he would return after three days. That's a message really the Pharisees maybe got in a better way than the disciples did as we read the story this morning. And that brings us into... 
chapter 16, there's a lot of stuff that's went down since Jesus is hung on the cross. It says in 16, when the Sabbath was over, the Sabbath, God's holy day, the day of rest, um, Saturday on our calendar. When the Sabbath was over, it says, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, whose first name actually might have even been Mary. So three Marys, I'm just kidding. Um, There were uh, some ladies that were followers of Jesus that brought spices, and they brought spices so that they could go and anoint Jesus. These ladies, after the Sabbath day, brought these spices so they could go and give Jesus a proper burial. Now, at this point in time, Jesus has been in the tomb for quite some time, and they've not been able to give their friend a proper burial. You can imagine there's some grief already with, uh, I just watched him die, wasn't expecting that, he was bleeding to death on a cross, and, and we didn't think any of that was going to go down the way that that went down. And then compacted on that was the grief of, and we've not even been able to bury our friend Jesus because we can't do any work right now. We want to bury him, but we, won't, we don't want to break God's law is kind of the conflict that was going on here. So early in the morning, it tells us, on the, after the Sabbath day or the first day of the week, these ladies came and they brought spices. And they brought spices because they thought they were going to anoint or bury their friend Jesus. These women did not get up early on Sunday morning thinking, we're going to a resurrection party. They got up early on Sunday morning thinking, we're going to a funeral. And we're going to go and we're going to bury our friend Jesus and we're going to anoint his body this morning. So they get up early and it says that they, they went to anoint him. It says two very early in the morning. So these are way morning people uh, on the first day of the week, which is on our calendar Sunday. It says they went to the tomb at sunrise. So they left as early as the Sabbath would allow them to leave to go and do this thing. And they arrived at the tomb about sunrise. It says in three, when they were saying to one another, who, rolled the, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb for us? So he even lets us in, Mark, today on the conversation that was going on as they were going to the tomb. They didn't expect to find what they were going to find at the tomb. They actually went, and as they went on the way, they hadn't thought all the way through, um, how are we going to get in the tomb? See, they didn't know guard had been set. They didn't know soldiers were going to be there. Here are three ladies, and there's a very heavy stone. But they're so eager to bury their friend Jesus and do what's right by their friend Jesus. They, they didn't even, hey, Peter, come with us, or hey, James and John, come with us. They're just going to do what they thought was right. And on the way there, they're like, oh, yeah, there's a stone in front of the thing. We need to get in. How are we going to get in? And it says in four, looking up, when they got to the tomb, they observed that the stone, and Mark tells us, which was very large, had been rolled away. They got to the tomb, and there's an issue at the tomb. The stone is not in front of the door. At the tomb, the stone has been rolled away. Now, you would think, and I would think, because we have the luxury of like seeing the whole story, that at this moment, they'd be like, oh, resurrection, Jesus is alive. That's really exciting. That's not what's going down with these ladies. If you read one of the other gospel accounts, you see that there was some fear that something had happened to the body of Jesus. They weren't thinking we're going to go see a resurrected Savior. They just watched their friend Jesus brutally beaten, and then they watched him hang on a cross and bleed to death until he suffocated on his own blood. They watched all that go down, and you don't think people are going to come back from that, by the way. You see somebody die in the way that Jesus died, you don't think automatically, oh, yeah, they're going to, they're going to be fine. In their brains, there's no way you're coming back from that. 
So they come and they look and they see the stones rolled away. And then there's a problem because they start thinking, what's happened to Jesus' body? Now you're like, How, why would you say that? How do you know that? Well, if we went to the uh, cemetery today and we went to visit the grave of one of your loved ones and the hole was dug out and you walked up, you wouldn't be thinking, oh, they're probably walking around somewhere in the graveyard. You'd be thinking maybe a grave robber has come to check it out, or maybe something has happened to the body of of your loved one. And that's exactly what would have been going through the minds of these ladies. And we see that they look up, the stone's rolled away. It's a very heavy stone. And it says they entered the tomb. They probably rushed into the tomb to see what would happen with Jesus. And it says they saw a young man there. And this man was dressed in a long white robe. And he was sitting on the right side. Now, spoiler alert, this guy's an angel. And it says they were amazed and alarmed. They were amazed and alarmed. They were amazed because, man, we're sitting in a tomb with an angel, and this is not normal. And they were alarmed because, man, we're sitting in a tomb with an angel, and this is not normal. Anytime you see an angel in the Bible, somebody's always picking themselves up off the ground. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but if there's an angel in the room, somebody's on their face, and they're like shaking, and that's probably what was happening in these moments. And, and, and part two of that is maybe they caught a glimpse of the fact that Jesus was not where Jesus was supposed to be. This is they were amazed and alarmed. And this angel says to them, don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he told them. You don't have to be afraid, is what he's saying. You don't have to be afraid. This is not a place of fear. As we say in the empty tomb, the the place you're standing today is not a place to be afraid. Now, I love that because what he doesn't say is don't be amazed, right? That's what we think he says in the church. We're like, oh, don't be amazed. It's no big deal. You know, you've heard this story since you were two. You know, Jesus is alive. Woohoo, right? We talk about it every Easter. And you don't have to be amazed by that anymore. And it's not a big deal anymore. And we've like all had our, you know, Christian inoculation shot. So the cross isn't a big deal. And the resurrection's not a big deal. And we just do the thing and we go through the motions. But that's not what the angel says. He, he says, oh, you don't have to be afraid here. This is not a place of fear. But maybe we should be amazed, is what the angel's saying. No, this is, this is an amazing place that you're standing in. He didn't, he didn't dispute that with the ladies. There's, there's some feelings that are allowed in the tomb, and amazed is one of those feelings. You can check fear and doubt and, and all that stuff. You can, you can leave that at the door. You can leave all, all the worries at the door. You can keep all that outside of the tomb. This is not a place for those things. The empty tomb is not a place for worry, fear, doubt. That's not supposed to be here. But you can be amazed. You bring all the amazement right down into the empty tomb. You should come into the empty tomb with an attitude of amazement is what he's saying. This is a place where we should be amazed. And, and, and he's saying to these ladies, it's okay. Hang, hang the jaw down. That's fine. Some of us need to learn how to, you know, when we come into the empty tomb and we talk about the miracle of God in this moment, we need to relearn because it's an amazing thing that the tomb is empty. And you're like, I don't, I don't really think so. I've heard that a million times. Well, let's do something like crucify you and just throw you in a hole and see what happens with you. I don't think you're coming back after three days. I don't know if that's never worked for anybody else. It's only worked for Jesus. It's a miracle. And today, like if we were to take somebody down and we were slam them in the morgue right down at St. Mary's and they got up three days later and they were just walking around the morgue like every newspaper in the world, I don't know if people read those anymore, every news station in the world would be like, 
this person is alive. And that's all we'd be able to talk about. Because, see, if that can happen for Bob in the morgue, it can happen for me in the morgue, right? Like, if something weird happened with Bob, I want to know what that is because I want what Bob's got. You're going to put me in the morgue, I want to know what happened for Bob because Bob was just there a couple days and then Bob come out. You see how that works? And the angel's like, hey, Jesus is alive. You're down here standing in this empty hole in this tomb where dead things are supposed to be, but Jesus is not where the dead things are. And you don't need to be afraid. You don't have to worry. You don't have to have some fear in this place, but there should be some amazement in this place. Some of us, maybe we've heard this story too long again, and we need to get with God. We need to be like, you know what, God, you need to amaze me at the empty tomb again. I need to be amazed by the miracles of God in the moment of the empty tomb. I need, maybe we need to go back to the empty tomb, not like it's we've been there every single Easter for our entire lives, but like we're the first people in the tomb on Easter. Because the angel didn't say, ah, oh, church, it's no big deal. You know, like, uh, here's a, you know, obligatory clap for Jesus. He lives. We need to get back in the space where our jaw hangs low every time we enter the empty tomb. So this angel looks at him, he's like, you don't have to be afraid, he told them. And then he like goes through this list and he says, you're looking for Jesus, right? That's where you're supposed to be. Did you come to Jesus' tomb today? The Nazarene, right? Jesus from Nazareth. That's the Jesus. There's probably multiple Jesuses in Jerusalem. But you're looking for the Jesus from Nazareth, right? Because that's, let's just narrow this some. I want to make sure you're in the right place. You're looking for Jesus from Nazareth. That's, that's the tomb you're supposed to, that's the tomb you think you're standing in, right? Jesus, Nazareth, that's the one. Let me just, let me just make sure. That was crucified. That's the tomb, right? You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, the one they, like, put nails in. The one that when they, that was hanging on the tree just a couple days ago, hanging on the tree. I just want to make sure you're in the right place. You're looking for that Jesus. That's the Jesus you're coming to today. That's the tomb you're in. Because the angel just wants them to know and us to know today. They didn't get confused in the dark. They didn't roll up into the tomb beside Jesus of Nazareth's tomb or Jesus from Jericho. That's not the Jesus today that got run over by the horse. That's not the tomb we're at today. We're looking for Jesus from Nazareth that got crucified. That's where we're supposed to be, right? And this is what the angel says. Not, hey, he's next door. But he says, hey, he's, he's, actually, he's been resurrected. He, he looks at these people and he's like, oh, yeah, you're in the right place. You're just here at the wrong time. You, you're in the right hole. Like, this is, this is the tomb. But if you come to see dead Jesus, you should have come earlier. Because he's actually, he's, he's been resurrected. To which Mary, Mary, and probably Mary would have had to be like, hey, hold up. I don't, I don't know that word. I've never heard resurrected, but what is that? 
right? The angel's inventing vocabulary in the tomb because they ain't nobody ever been resurrected before. We've never needed the word resurrected. We didn't need that word until Jesus did the thing, right? Like they didn't call something a refrigerator until somebody made a refrigerator. Like we didn't need a resurrection until somebody did the resurrection. So the angel's like, hey, I just want you to know today he's been resurrected. And Mary, Mary, and probably Mary was like, hey, I need to, I need to just stop for a second. What is resurrected? I'm um, spell it out. He was dead. He wasn't asleep. That's not resurrected. That's called waking up. He, he, he didn't faint. That's called, you know, like coming to your senses. He was dead, but now he's alive. Tell Webster so he can put it in the book. He is resurrected. That's the definition. Jesus did the thing, made the definition, and then the angel made the word. Hey, I just want you to know, he was dead, but now he's alive. This is a place of amazement. He was dead. They took Jesus of Nazareth, and they crucified him. They put nails in his body. They beat him beyond the point of recognition. They shoved crowns down into his brow, and then they lifted him up above the world until gravity did the work. He suffocated and stopped breathing. And then just to make sure, they jabbed a spear up into his lungs. And out came blood and water. And the angel says, yeah, you're in the right place. He was right there. But he's not there anymore. He has been resurrected. He is not here, but you come on in. That's what he says, right? See the place where they put him. You could come in. That's why the stone got rolled away, by the way. The people were coming and they were like, how are we going to get in to the tomb of Jesus? And God was like, I got that covered. But I want you to know today, I made a way you could get into the tomb, but you're not going to see Jesus. I made a way you could get into the tomb, not so Jesus could get out, but so you could get in because you need to come and investigate this place of amazement. So the angel, not afraid because there's no smoke and mirrors at the tomb, he sits down on the bench and he says, come on over. Come and look at the place where Jesus used to be. Now, I love this because the angel didn't stand at the door of the tomb with the stone rolled in the way saying, hey, take my word for it. He's not here. He didn't shout from inside, hey, I don't know where you're going, but Jesus, he's not in this one. He didn't even roll the stone away and stand in the entrance and say, oh, yeah, he's not in there. You know, you kind of see past my shoulder. He rolled the stone away, and then he said, you come all the way inside. You come all the way down into this place, and you get up close and personal with the resurrection place. You can lay down on it if you want to. You can try to lift up the top and make sure he's not under there or something. You can lift see if he's under that blanket. You know, just flip that thing open and see if he's under that sheet. He's, he's not in here. You come in here and you take some time and you look around. And I love that because here's the truth today. God's not afraid we're going to find a dead Jesus in a tomb somewhere today. He doesn't have to worry about that. There's, there's a, empty tombs because Jesus is not in them. And we can go and we can find people in tombs, but we're not going to find Jesus in a tomb. So he said, come on in and look around. Come on in and investigate. And I think sometimes we get in our heads that like, 
This is not a possibility. No, that's called amazement, right? Because it's a miracle. It sounds crazy, but it's not crazy. We're like, there's no way this could happen. And that's 100% true for everybody in the world except for Jesus. Because Jesus wasn't just a man like me. He was God in the flesh. He was the Son of God, and He was God. And He came down, He left heaven voluntarily, not born in Bethlehem. And He lived a perfect life in my place. And then at the end of that life, He took my sin and my shame on Himself on the cross. And He was crushed so I wouldn't have to be. And He was bruised so I wouldn't have to be. And He took my stripes so I didn't have to have them. He took the wrath of God for me and for you. And then they put him off, took Him off the cross, and they placed Him in a hole. And they rolled a stone in front of the door because they... They thought, I'm coming back to a funeral, but God had other plans. And he said, funeral canceled. And he rolled the stone back away from the door, not so Jesus could get out. Jesus walks through walls. We might talk about that next week. But so we could come in. And he said, hey, when you come to the resurrection place, there's not a funeral here. And there's not fear here. And there's not doubt here. and, And there shouldn't be any kind of emotions that come in this place other than amazement. Because what God has done here at the empty tomb is a miracle. And he's not afraid that we're not going to be clone puppets. And some of us, faith comes easier for, right? Like maybe Mary Magdalene was like, no, I believe this. Mary, the mother of James, was like, mm, maybe. And maybe Salome, maybe that's why she's not Mary Salome here. Maybe, maybe she was like, I don't know about this at all. This sounds crazy. But you know, all three got invited. All three of them come to the tomb looking for a funeral, didn't they? They come with spices. They weren't like, hey, uh, Mary Magdalene wasn't like, hey, when we get here, uh, Jesus is going to be alive. There was none of that conversation going on on the way there. It was like, I don't even know how we're going to get in the room, but we got to bury this guy. And Jesus said to every one of those people through the angel, come on down and look. He's not here. He's risen. He's been resurrected. Come and look at the resurrection place. And it doesn't let us in on how long they stayed in the tomb. They could have been there for seconds. They could have been there for minutes. They could have stood there for hours. I have no idea. But what I do know is the resurrection space is the place that propels us forward, not the place that compels us to stay. Now, I'm not saying we should get over the resurrection. I'm not saying that. I love revisiting the resurrection place. I love thinking about and knowing that Jesus is alive because if he's alive and he tells me I can be alive, I'm going to believe that guy. I'm going to tend to just go with that. And sometimes I need to be reminded that, man, probably my problems today aren't so huge because Jesus has beaten death, and if he can beat death, he can beat everything I'm going through. And it's okay to go back and revisit the resurrection place. Maybe some of us, we need to go back every hour, and some of us, maybe we need to go back every day, but we need to go back and we need to look sometimes. Because the world's like, hey, everything is not happening the way it needs to happen, and it's falling apart. And sometimes we just got to be like, "Mm, just checking. Oh, nope, he's not there. Okay. But the angel didn't say, hey, why don't you just sit here forever? Why don't you just sit here in this place forever, did he? He lets them look around. And he lets them check it out. There's no secret panels. There's no secret things. He lets them be amazed. And he lets them sit in that moment for a little bit. And then he looks at them and he says, hey, go. But go. I, I guess this is not it. There's something to do now. Yes, Jesus has died for the sins of the world, and and yes, he's put sin and shame and guilt in the ground, and he's come out of that. They're in the tomb, Jesus is not. 
But now we got work to do. So he looks at him and he says, but go. And I love this. Tell the disciples and Peter. But go, tell the disciples and Peter. You, you, you with me? I, I love that because obviously we need to go tell the disciples, right? Some of us, like, the reason we keep talking about the resurrection is because we need to be reminded of the resurrection. Like, we're going to talk about it a bunch because Jesus is alive and that's the lead story. And if we can get our heads around that, everything else maybe isn't so bad. The, the placement of the chairs is not that big of a deal. And the paint not being exactly how it needs to be is not that big of a deal. And we didn't do this thing exactly the way we wanted to. It's not that big of a deal if Jesus is alive, right? Because that kind of trumps everything else. And the thing we're going to talk about more than everything else is not, uh, we, we didn't really do that song the right way. Or, man, I wish I would have picked this different thing this morning or any of those things. That's not the lead story, and we might talk about that, but like Jesus is alive, that's the most important thing going on in the church for all eternity. Like that's the big thing, and we're going to get in heaven, and we're going to sing about, hey, there was a lamb who was slain, but now he's alive forevermore. Like we're never going to get over the fact that Jesus is alive, and if we've got over the fact that Jesus is alive, we need to go back to the tomb and make sure that we got something while we were in the tomb. So of course we're going to tell the disciples. But he tags on this thing, and Peter. And, and I looked at that, and that's kind of weird, right? Well, of course, and Peter. Peter was the guy who was the first one to proclaim Jesus as the Messiah. Peter was the, the first guy to, to, to walk on water. Only guy other than Jesus ever did the thing, right? He was one of the first disciples called. He was out fishing in a boat, and Jesus was like, come on out of that boat. We're going to go be fishers and men. It's going to be amazing. To my knowledge, Peter is a disciple, right? So, like, why is he in a, in a separate category? But then you start thinking about it. That same Peter that did all these amazing things is also the Peter that the last couple of days has not looked so hot for. See, the, the same Peter who walked on water and was called up out of the boat and the same Peter who uh, was the one who proclaimed Jesus as Messiah, that Peter is also the Peter that just a few days ago was like, I don't know that guy. I don't, I don't know that guy. No, I'm, I'm telling you, I don't, know, I don't know that guy. And that's the last thing that he said about Jesus that we have recorded before Jesus goes to the cross, dies on the cross, and is laid in a tomb. And, and if you can imagine being within earshot of Jesus and being one of his disciples, one who walked on water, who proclaimed him as the Messiah, and, and then Jesus hearing you say, oh yeah, I don't know that guy. And then for him to be killed and crushed and you never be able to set that right in those moments, like he's wearing some shame and a lot of guilt in these moments because he walked away and he left Jesus. But Jesus has a message for Ann Peter at the empty tomb. Oh, I know exactly what you've done, and I know where you've been, and I know what you said. I heard every single bit of it, but I want you to know today there's a space for you in the resurrection place. So he says specifically, I want you to go tell the disciples, and I know you'll probably tell Peter, but if he's not there, I want you to go, and I want you to find Peter, and I want you to bring him to this place. I want you to go tell Peter, Jesus made it. 
He's alive. And because He's alive, man, we can just wipe away all that stuff we're worried about. Because you're not forgotten because you said the wrong thing or did the wrong thing or even because you walked away. You're not forgotten because you've had a couple bad moments or a couple bad years maybe and you turned away from Jesus. You're not forgotten. Jesus still has a place for you just like he has a place for Peter. So this morning in these moments, I love it because this is exactly the character of our God. See, in our heads sometimes we get like the people that have it all together and they dress the right way and they come to church and they don't cuss too much and they they do the right things. Like obviously those people are included. And I would argue that maybe some of those people aren't. But I'm going to tell you today exactly the people Jesus is trying to include is the Ann Peters. The people that know, I've messed it up. I've not done it right. I've, I've walked away or maybe I never even came. I knew it, but I didn't do it. Right? Those are the people Jesus is saying there is space for in the resurrection place. And I want to say to you today, if that's how you walked in this morning, you're like, I don't even know how I got to church. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what I'm doing. I just this morning, somebody invited me and I felt bad and I walked in this place. And now you're hearing this and you're like, man, I've I've done so, so wrong. God's making space for you today. God has a place for you today, and he's not turning you away, and he's not trying to take you some other way through the door. Like, Jesus has a place for you. There is room for you today because of what Jesus has done. So Jesus today is looking for the and Peter's. Maybe the people that we've counted out are the people Jesus is trying to count in. The people that we've walked away from are maybe the people Jesus is looking to. For some of us, maybe we're in that room and we're like, that's me. And for some of us, we're just the people standing in the tomb today. And what we need to hear is the, what are you still doing here? The Empty tomb is is the place that propels us on our mission towards what God has for us and the people around us. We can come and we can gather up today in the tomb and then, you know, next Sunday we can gather up in the same place and we can stand and we can look and we can come back to the table and we can do the thing and we can go through the motions. But if we never get the but go, we've missed out on a lot of what God is calling us toward. See, there's an amazing thing that's happened. Jesus was dead, but now he's alive. Jesus was buried, and he was placed in a hole, and he didn't faint, and he didn't sleep. His heartbeat stopped. But man, early Sunday morning... The Son of God went. And a man who was once dead set up on the side of a bed. (laughs) 
And if you've seen it, you shouldn't be able to stop talking about it. We went down to St. Mary's today and watched it happen. We'd be on Channel 6 tonight. And I was there. It was crazy. They were just laying there. They've been there for three days. I was weeping. And then all of a sudden they and they sat up. The craziest thing I've ever seen. Do you believe it? I can't believe it. He was dead, but now he's alive. I, w- I was hurt and I was afraid. But now I'm just amazed. No, really. They were dead. No, I don't want lunch. They were dead. (laughs) Maybe we will go get lunch and I'll tell them that he was dead. But he's not dead anymore. Resurrection place is our ascending place. It's going to be okay. He was dead, but he's not anymore. I don't know what you're struggling with this morning, but it's going to be okay because he was dead and he's not anymore. I don't know what problems you got this morning, and I'm sure they're big problems, but I just got to tell you over through the problems, you got to see this. Jesus was dead, but he ain't dead anymore. And he said, come look. So come on. Oh, yeah, even you, Peter. I know. We don't have to talk about all that. I know. (laughs) You can come. You can come. So this morning, um, as we leave this place, right, like we, we can leave under the banner of Jesus is alive. And, man, what power would it be this morning if we could speak that into some situations around us? We know people struggling. I'm going to tell you what doesn't help them this morning. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I understand. That's a lie. You don't. Feeding negativity just builds negativity. Feeding hurt just builds hurt. You can sit there and listen to it. And if you never speak hope, all you're doing is throwing wood on the fire. We think we're helping by listening to people's problems. We're not unless we're going to interject hope at the end. And Jesus has called us in every one of those dark moments to just peel the curtain back. And say, oh, yeah, I hear you. I know it hurts. But man, let me just let you in on something. I need you to see there's life. I need you to see there's hope. I need you to see there's better days. I need you to see there's a future. I need you to see Jesus, he was, he was dead. But he ain't dead anymore. Let's pray. Father God, this morning we thank you. God, we thank you that there is hope in the space 
of the resurrection place. Hey God, this morning we, we, we may be living in dark moments and we know maybe even know people that are living in dark moments, but there is always hope in every darkness because the stone has been rolled away. And everybody, including me, including my neighbor, including my friends, including my family, including that lady that I'm going to meet when I leave this place, everybody this morning has a shot at the resurrection place and at the hope of the empty tomb. Because when Jesus was inviting people into the space of the resurrection place, he didn't say, hey, I want you to just go tell the people that have it all together. He said, I want you to go find Peter. Ah, yeah, he's probably somewhere locked in a room, depressed. I want you to go find Peter. I know you haven't seen him maybe in a couple days. I want you to go hunt down Peter. I want you to go, and I want you to go seek intentionally Peter. I want you to find the guy who's walked the farthest away. I want you to go to him. And all I want you to say is, Peter, you need to come see this. Jesus, he's breathing, buddy. (laughs) He's breathing. And he asked for you. Come and see the place where Jesus used to lay. Father God, this morning, for those of us that maybe are those people that have walked far away, my prayer is this morning that we walk back. Because Jesus, you made space for every one of us in the resurrection place. There's not an occupancy limit on the tomb door. And if that's you this morning, I want to say to you, Jesus is asking for you. He's breathing. And you can come back. For those of us this morning that know it, and we're surrounded by people who are surrounded by doubt and fear and hurt. That same angel that said, go get Peter, is looking at us today and he's saying, what are you doing here? Get up and get out and go tell people a miracle of God has happened in this place. Jesus is alive.